0: If you're an executive, entrepreneur, seasoned investor, or just a student of the game, you'll love The Great Fail, Adweek's entrepreneurship podcast of the year, a show that artfully uncovers some of the biggest fails in business history and how it might have been prevented. The Great Fail is entertaining, informative, and told through a true crime narrative in under 30 minutes that keeps you at the edge of your seats. So check out The Great Fail wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Vanity URLs, promo codes, surveys, now pixel tracking. Tracking and attribution has become practically mandatory in the podcast space in recent years. The need for data and a better understanding of performance has grown as the needs of advertisers have become more sophisticated. In Episode 7 of On the Mic with Ad Results Media, we learned a bit about the history and new technology surrounding podcast attribution when we sat down with our very own Andrea Schwartzbach and CEO Marshall Williams. Today, we are excited to bring you a follow-up episode to that conversation, as we interview the founder and CEO of the pixel-based podcast attribution startup company PodSites, Sean Creeley. So let's get started.
2: He was actually buying apps, and then we moved into the reporting side. That's not the problem. The problem is, is attribution. Like we just we just can't figure out if this stuff works. We are growing faster than I thought we would. To be honest with you. Should
0: I start it <laughs> off with a kazoo? Is that should I start the podcast off with a kazoo?
2: Yeah, could you? Do you,
0: you, you have, have one? one? I, I do. Of course mm-hmm. I do. Is this wrong? end?
2: She makes me so happy. Just the ridiculousness of it, I don't know. (laughs) Well,
1: Sean, thank you for uh, agreeing to join us on today's episode. Um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners actually know who you are since we do uh, draw in more of the audio advertising crowd. But if you don't mind introducing yourselves for those who don't, that would be awesome.
2: Hi, I'm Sean uh, from PodSites. Uh, We do podcast attribution for brands and agencies.
1: Can you actually break down how pod sites came to be and how it works, and kind of explain it to me as if I have I've never heard it
2: before? Sure. So, podcasting is a very interesting medium in that it's not radio, um, but it's also not digital. In that we have some digital signals like downloads and user agents and households and that kind of things, and we have brand pixels that much like Facebook pixels or Twitter pixels, like what they use on the digital side to do attribution. But it's not sort of the same with digital and that we don't have user identifiers the best we can do is household um, level data so how it came about is that we started building tools on the research side right like who's actually buying ads and then we moved into the reporting side like how many downloads are these agencies getting and then we you know we talked to people like from ad results etc and they're like that's not the problem the problem is is attribution like we just we just can't figure out if this stuff works um they you know uh, there's a lot of people that have made you know a lot of good investment decisions in podcast marketing very early on through discount codes and you know low cpms and all these other fun things and, and they figured out it was working but as the sort of the industry expands here it's no longer a small market right uh, it will be a billion and then it'll be two and then it'll be three and then you know sky's the limit kind of thing um, and to entice some of these advertisers that you know can't use discount codes or you know or vanity urls are just notoriously inaccurate for a lot of advertisers pixel-based attribution seems to be what works and, and that's that's not to say that people don't have success otherwise, but what we have found is that in order to sort of validate that podcast is working for a brand and, and then to sort of increase scale, test it to new networks, to new shows, um, the fix to attribution methodology works well for sort of making brands comfortable um, with a very different medium than so, to a lot of use. to.
0: I'm sure this isn't something that you kind of dreamed of doing since you were like 10 years old, you know, starting up podcast attribution uh, platform. How did you kind of get to the point where you decided to create this? Was there some major event that motivated you? What what was like your, your background before? Was it an attribution? Was it in research? Or tell us a little more
2: about that. It's in tech startups. This is my second startup. The first one was called Inbedly. It was in the media space. So we worked with people like Reddit, LinkedIn, and Salesforce, and Microsoft to to basically build the functionality that like if you paste a URL into a text box, it automatically expands into the video. In general, I like solving problems. I I like sort of building tech solutions to to solve them and, and working on sort of small teams that start something from just sort of the idea phase into Sort of a full-blown product podcasting was on our on my radar to be completely honest with you we were in social retargeting um, we, we found that interesting just watching buddies like spend a ton on facebook and twitter and, and doing absolutely no optimization and just saying like ah well let them handle it that was a bad idea and we wasted like six months and then i was in a bar, a bar drinking with a buddy who's like, hey podcasting he was in market research and he was like you know basically we know that our brand should get into podcasting but we have no idea who's even in podcasting and then it just starts sort of that that cascade of of following into it right where you go from one step okay let's just see who's in advertising and then talk to them and figure out what their problems are and then talk to them the agencies and the brands and etc so it took us a solid year and a half to get really any traction and then once the traction hit and people like you know ad results started saying like hey these guys might know what they're doing that's when you know we started to grow. And from a benefit side of things, like what was the decision that um ad results made? I mean why were they like okay this attribution thing isn't gonna be just a flash in the pan like we we view this as something that's going to be in the industry for a while. Like what what was the the change there?
0: Yeah so I think Our agency as a whole, we've always known that podcast and radio both probably do a lot better than what we give them credit for or that than what our clients give them credit for. Um, So I think being able to measure that from like an attribution perspective where we can actually have, here's a download and here's a person that went to your website and checked out is huge, right? We've never been able to have that kind of data before on podcasting. It's really just coupon code or a vanity URL. Some of our clients don't even have that. A lot of them just don't have offers. And so they can't do a code, but some of them only measure by survey. And some of them really can't measure on a show by show level. Because
2: yeah, if you're on 80 shows, right, or a run a network kind of thing, like you're not going to have a list of 80 podcasts to say which one to do you get the offering.
0: Well, some, some people do that. Like We have clients that do that um, where there's a drop-down list of shows and you have to go and pick it.
2: Think of the user behavior behind that. Like, like how dedicated do you have to be doing a show to like scroll to like, you know, especially if it's a Z title uh, podcast?
0: Right, which is something that we've kind of seen is there are shows that people are such dedicated listeners to that host that they will scroll for days to find that host name just to make sure that that host gets the credit. But then, yeah, there's a lot of other shows where there may not be that listener to host relationship that you can foster through listening to a host over and over again. Um, Limited series, for example, where it's like shows that a random season, it's a random host. No one really knows the host. You don't get to know them. They're just telling you a story. You don't really feel any kind of Obligation or you know, loyalty to that host, so you don't really care about going through scrolling through 80 names to find that show. But, like, if you listen to Joe Rogan, you want to give Joe Rogan credit. So, um, attribution kind of helps us, and we saw the potential there of being able to show all of our clients that it works better than we think it does and gives us even more data on a show by show or even network level. Of what's actually working and what's driving volume to their site and conversions.
2: Yeah, I mean that's somewhat how we think about it as well. as specifically relative, right? Like it doesn't make one show one advertiser doesn't make a whole ton of sense to, to spin up on sites and the attribution and pixel base, right? Because it takes up a lot of time. But specifically when you're doing cross publisher or you know a large network, it makes a ton of sense to figure out because not all these shows are created equal. Some are going to work. Bangers for one some uh, brands and some just aren't right um, and specifically when we start talking about like overlap between publishers like how does that sort of play I and mean, we've done studies here where it's really nice to have on on multiple people saying your name right it's not like joe rogan's sort of the outlier and we hate talking about him because like honestly like you know he can sell cow shit and people are going to buy it right but there's sort of the network-wide things where we need to think about like how how do how do we sort of scale advertising here because at the end game like our goal is to make podcast advertising bigger right there's still a ton of unsold inventory inventory there's still a lot of uh, shows and you know smaller podcasters that are not getting paid much as they should be um just because they're basically trying to have to you know find advertiser after advertiser and churn etc um, so you know <clears throat> from a pixel based side of things yeah like that that's something we talk about a lot is you know optimizing scaling um, uh, really validating the, the investment in the space um from a more tactical side i I, mean, I think you've seen this before but the setup isn't as bad as a lot of people make it out to be right so um, how sort of attribution works in general is is you know we have integrations with all the hosting providers. Um, so uh, there's a what's called a tracking URL um, for the dynamic insertion. Um, so if you're doing run of network or run of show, um, it's server to server side. Uh, for some of the smaller independent guys, we have a, what's called an analytics prefix that you know the host uh, installs. Sort of very simple, very easy, and then it's you know it's just a pixel on the brand side of. of so um you know we're not which can be done as you know smaller shops can be done in a matter of 15 minutes for larger shops you know where there's uh, it can take a matter of days but um you know the the lift isn't that hard and, and then what we do is basically match households so it's not user level attribution it's panel based right in that um we have had numerous conversations about you know uh, noisy ips versus corporate ips versus cell towers and, and everything else along those lines but you know. Um, basically 50% of all downloads happen at a household. And then we get, you know, nice data there where we can say someone at this household visits the brand site after being exposed to an ad. And then we do a lot of modeling after that to say, well, what does the, the rest of the, the space, the IP users that we, that we just can't do any attribution for um, how do they, how, how do we think they're going to interact with the site? And that's how we come up with sort of a, um, a modeling behavior after that. So it's not, some of the survey-based ones and some of the discount URL code ones are, you know, we just apply random multiplier from a methodology standpoint. Like it's the same, whether it's, a, you know, one campaign versus the other, um, which sort of makes it a little bit easier to do some of the, the validation and, and um, you know, what shows are working, what do we need to sort of rotate out.
0: So you just said, did you see 50% on average?
2: Yeah. You, it used to be, so like pre-COVID, it was, you know, 30%, 30%, you know, we'd see some, some, sometimes it would, you know, be larger multipliers. Uh, Post-COVID, uh, we were seeing a lot of people stay home, <laughs> which is good, um, uh, and therefore sort of the, the attribution actually gets better. And it, and, you know, things like smart speakers, for example, that are actually tied to the, the household. We have, you know, that, that's more information that, that we can uh, use there. And by the way, smart speakers do really well, right? Because it's, you know, it's, um, I mean, they just work. So uh, I would buy a smart speakers. I'm
0: surprised it's not more than 50% with everyone working from home. Like, is that kind of how it's balanced back out since some places and some cities are going back to work?
2: No, we didn't see it come down to like, you know, 100% of people staying at home, right? Because people such workers, etc. There's still a lot of needs going on. There's still people walking around, um, which is, you know, in outdoor spaces. Um, You know, we we did a bunch of studies here that around, you know, COVID and downloads, like everybody else did. Um, sort of, there was a decay, and now it's coming back up, and and you know, all those other fun stuff. But it's, you know, it's from our standpoint. Like we, can't, we're not trying to shame people for not staying home and downloading more podcasts, right? <laughs> so, um, I mean, we should be. Who knows?
0: So, since launching podsites, you guys launched what a little over a year ago, maybe longer. But I know we started working with you guys a little over a year ago.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's you know basically we've been around since 2018 but we you know July 2019 is when we sort of really got going.
0: So what's been the most surprising thing that you've learned since starting Podsites?
2: you know, podcasting is a mess, right? Um, it's not as simple as, you know, I I just give Google some money and I get some search ads and or, you know, or there's a massive display network that, uh, you know, RTB bidding and all those other fun stuff where, um, you know, I can be on a thousand different sites for digital right like it's it's not a case by case it's a one by one so most of podcasting is people issues right it's not actually a lot of the technology um some of the times right so if you're running a campaign across you know 10 different publishers it's 10 different it can be 10 different hosting companies it can be 10 different hits, it's 10 different sales teams i mean a lot of it is still like you know a um Uh, you know RFP gets sent out people reply to it like you know it's 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 not as sophisticated as some of the digital clients and there's obviously a lot of pros there right in that the the medium is way more authentic because of it um so when we went out and started building it you know we were basically like okay well eventually this is all going to be you know some big answer for somewhere that is going to own it and you know that was surprising to me and and how diverse the space is and it's all over the place. It's not like sort of New York and, you know, there's hubs all over the place, which is super interesting for us. We are growing faster than I thought we would, to be honest with you. Um, Attribution in in general is the space has sort of really taken off in the last year or so, right? As as, um, the hosting providers got better, as some of the, um, the, we and a few other people came into the space and said, like, this is actually something that, that should be solved. And the market got big enough, right? You can't have sort of a venture backed business in sort of smaller markets. Um, and it's really hard. It would have been really hard to basically start pod sites within, without VC capital because of the fact that, like, you have to wait a long time. It's like, you know, two years in order for us to get somewhere near where we And you need a lot of engineering talent in order to make that happen as well. But you know, the the industry has progressed, and it's very similar in some ways to how digital progressed too, and that you had sort of a lot of small publishers. And there's some, obviously going to be some consolidation. You've seen that around Spotify and Liberty Media, et cetera. Um, but there's still sort of this nice world of sort of the independence and uh, individual publishers that uh, we like to see at least. And from a buying perspective, right, it gives you a ton of options.
0: Yeah. And so it, it really has blown up in the past year. I mean, we've seen other vendors pop up too. Um, so how do you think about staying competitive with everything still so new with, you know, you guys are still, I think you guys have your dashboard in a really good spot, but you're still constantly changing and evolving. And
2: I mean, that's how we do it, right? Is that um, uh, we got here, you know, fairly early. Um, our whole job was, is not, uh, again, because of people problems, et cetera, like a lot of what we invest in is, is we invest in account management and partnerships and making sure that um, when someone comes in the front door that that they know exactly what to expect, that they have a, a team because it's not like, you know, digital where you can just spin up a dashboard. Like there's a lot of explaining things to go through and, you know, uh, on the methodology, et cetera. Um, from a product standpoint, yeah. I mean, it's constantly just taking feedback and iterating, right? It's building things for people that you wouldn't have thought of. And I think that's what I like most about sort of building tech startups, right? Is that once you have sort of that initial user base, the product basically builds itself, right? As long as you're smart about it, it's taking sort of that, that feedback and saying, okay, like how do we not build some one off for one different client, but make it so that we solve the issue but it works for ten clients, and then go sell ten more clients, and go figure out their problems, and etc. So it's constantly involving, right? You went from sort of measuring a single campaign to measuring multiple campaigns, to doing incremental lift to doing a lot of, you know, overlap analysis and frequency and reach, etc. Never mind the ad pulling stuff and sort of analyzing some of the audio files. Um, that sort of makes it sort of ground up podcast first. And that's sort of where we have done really well is being podcast first. You know, some digital providers will come in and give you a pixel and say, hey, you know, it's going to... But, you know, podcasts get different in the fact that, like, there's no standard and you're integrating with on a case-by-case basis with a lot of different um, uh, hosting providers. Never mind, like, how do we even count a download? Well, I mean, I, I think that's always change too right and mostly because of none of us control the player which is a right where where you have sort of a um, a vertically integrated product like Spotify Spotify owns the player they own the, the content they own the ad to add insertion etc like you can get a little bit better on the things, but they just don't have the, the scale for that sort of inline thing most of their downloads come from third parties um, and Apple just doesn't care about that business because they're a trillion to a two trillion dollar company now. <clears throat> and podcasting is a area but it's a nice app to have on the phone that's free content that anybody can uh, see that makes the sort of the, the platform a, a little more enticing. Uh, um, again, our job is to sort of work in in those within those constraints and say, like, you know, downloads. We don't feel that like getting within a percentage point of a impression number is all that important. What we think is the downstream metrics obviously matter, and I think that you guys have have done a really nice job offering that to clients too. But even back in the discount codes and, and surveys, right. It was like, who cares about the number of impressions they're getting? Like, how many sales are they driving, and how how much are we paying for the uh, for the media, right? Um, because if that's positive, we should do more of that. You know, that's negative, we should do less of that. Um, which I think translates really well from the attribution side of things. So we try not to get into arguments with people and say, like, okay, well, you know, it was actually 101 downloads versus you know 99. Uh, that is not. An interesting argument to anybody, right? Like, what we care about is that it drove five purchases, um, and therefore, like, that was a good investment, and we should go and do that again.
0: Just talking about all the constraints that you do have, what what would you say has been your biggest challenge so far as a as a company?
2: Convincing people we weren't going to blow up their business, to be honest with you, right? Um, a lot of people have made a lot of money in this space, like just you know selling impressions, right? And then letting the brand figuring out whether it was going to work or not. And you know, we had a hell of a time convincing the agencies and the brands in the first place, um, specifically the agencies, right? Because they're like, well, it's working right now. We're doing well. Like, we don't, we don't need... And we're still having that, that problem with a lot of different people saying, like, we're, not, we're, we're here to help, right? Are we going to show, like, that every single one of your shows converts amazing? No, we're not. But what we continue to find is that a brand is less likely to churn if they have the information to improve. So even if their first campaign does not do all that well, right, they can go back with a whole, you know, dashboard worth of data and say, like, okay, well, this little part did, right? And they're used to that, right? They're used to throwing a 1,000 ads at a a Facebook and saying, like, okay, this one worked really well. Let's go sort of figure out why it did really well and then double down on that. And I think that's where we've sort of had our success is like accidentally falling into one campaign with, with one brand and one agency and then showing them sort of that sort of cycle and then watching the brand react to that level of insights versus a spreadsheet after the fact that like that discount code got six six purchases and we're going to give it a multiplier of 3.2 because of the survey, you know, right? That, that's sort of a harder uh, sell sometimes to, to make an agency or, brand, or specifically a brand Um uh, love the medium. We like dashboards. We like looking at things as, as humans, right? Like, there's just that's something that we do.
1: So, I'm kind of curious just because I'm more on the creative side over here at AdResults. Is there anything specific that stands out to you um, like when you're looking at this data that's like, yep, yeah, that campaign absolutely killed it? Or like, what what exactly would you be looking for that that just stands out as like, this was absolutely successful
2: here's the problem right like what's where we think the agencies and brands well aligned is that they know the the, the product they know the the, um, uh, the numbers they know everything about it so they can look at sort of a conversion rate or sort of a uh, cpa etc and say like this is working or this isn't right so there's some campaigns that we've done right you know they've had horrible conversions right so the brand's like yeah nailed it like boom <laughs> Uh, because of the fact that like they're, they're used to getting such low conversion rates on everything else that they do um, that even though like the only drove free purchases that three purchases just happen to be for you know a $3,000 product and therefore um, you know it's, it's ROI positive and we're good to go right. Um, where we've had sort of the creative side where have the most success is when brand messaging aligns with content. There's obviously you know targeting helps um, for some of the the dynamic concerted um, podcasts when you when you can target based off of either you know, you can't do male female right but you can you can try to do uh, things around like health and wellness or uh, IT decision makers things like that um, sometimes that works really well and, and sometimes it doesn't um, most of the it's around experimentation and that's what we try to harp on is you know ABC creative um, you know, pre roll mid roll. Don't buy post rolls. Um, uh, you know, make sure the frequency is is uh, on a reasonable scale. Some people shove you into a bad catalog, and you'll have a frequency of 100 and wonder why it's not doing all that well. Well, because you know no going to Someone downloaded 100 episodes, but they're only going to listen to one of them. Um, you know, we tell people to buy first runs, whether it be dynamically inserted or embedded. Right, first run is always going to do really well. Um, and uh, generally, it's you can't come into this industry with $1,000 and buy some ads, right? Which sort of is not great for um, people that are used to Facebook advertising, where you can spend $1,000 and see some sort of ROI analysis. And you have to be in the 10 to 20 to 30,000 um, in order to even get a, a clear sense of what's working and what's not. Um, because what you don't want to do is spend 5000 on a sort of a back catalog because, you know, it's the cheapest thing and then, and, you know, churn because you had no idea um, uh, whether it worked or not. I skewed away from your creative question. I'm not sure if that, that happens, but, you know, obviously endorsements are better than uh, uh, non-endorsements, right? Um, uh, even though we've seen some of the NPR style ads do really well, specifically some of the pre-roll stuff, um, uh, because it's a consistent narrator, um, which is uh, uh, nice. Versus sometimes where you'll see like the Geico uh, commercials get dropped into the middle of a podcast, and you're like, what the hell are we even doing here, <laughs> right? Um, uh, so you know, those obviously do not work all that well. Um, and then yeah, um, with increased scale, sort of lowers some of the conversion rates. Um, because of the fact that you are reaching just a really broad audience um, versus some of the narrowing that you can do on a show by show basis.
1: So I guess kind of the last question we have is just what's next.
2: Uh, Dre's going to tell me. I mean, some of that's 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 it's honestly fairly true, right? Um, some of the times that we're we're going to see, you know, we continue to see brands that um, are newer to the space that push us very interesting features that we can add to the product. Um, you know I don't think that we're going to get to the you know it's never like we're going to get more data right we're on the user we're just not like we''re you're never going to see that those kind of um, uh, uh, insights come in we're never going to know who actually downloaded the, the podcast because n- none of this industry is vertically uh, integrated and, and that's actually a, a fairly decent thing so it's a lot of what we're doing now is is really just about how do we tell a brand interesting story about how their campaign, Performed um, and not just show them a line chart. Because that's, you know, at the end of the day, everybody likes looking at graphs, but then the next question is like, and now what, right? So we have started sort of, we have now a, a data analyst that, that um, is dedicated on our team that in brand can say like, hey, you need some help and, and we'll sort of dig into them uh, with it. Um, we've added some of the reports for specific reasons, for more touch points to say like, this is this is doing well or this, this isn't doing well, and I think that's sort of important here um and then so you know some of the optimization side of of things but at the end of the day yeah i mean like what we want to do is sort of allow uh people to be more always on versus you know do one campaign uh spend three months uh figuring out whether it worked and then trying it again right like we, we'd like to shorten that cycle so it's you know three three months on you know a week to look at something and then let's 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 keep on going because you know this is this is doing well and this isn't and, and that and discovery is obviously a, a problem that we uh continue to think about like how do we um, help brands even find podcasts to uh, 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 advertise on. Like AdResults, obviously has a massive database of all the back catalogs of everything that they've ever done, so they can say like, "Well, for these eight shows, you you should expect that thing." Right? we um, don't. Um, but we start, we're starting to get benchmarks, right? Which is really helpful for brands, so that when you know they're specifically for publisher sales when they're trying to sell people into um uh, a podcast they know like okay well this is good this is bad uh, from a conversion rate standpoint um which will help them sort of make better decisions about what to buy and what not to buy mostly Dre's going to tell me
1: <laughs> no pressure Dre. no pressure do my best If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes and leave us a comment with your feedback, questions, or ideas for future segments. If you would like more info on AdResults Media and what we do, please visit us online at adresultsmedia.com. This podcast is an AdResults Media production.